Hey, Katie. Welcome to Learn Real Good. <laughs> An episode. Of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that combines science and comedy. Yes. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a that while. Was rough. I don't was, even know if that's our official beginning. I think it's great. It's been... How long, Vinny, do you think since our last recording? Uh, I've, I feel like it was since the last episode because we don't know what order these air in. <laughs> I know. I'm throwing that out of the window. It's, it's, it's our new season. I already... I said let's not <laughs> yep, commit, okay, great. commit to these timing things like a minute ago and yeah. then here I go. I can't avoid it. That's okay. I can't avoid it. I'm it's excited. Been about a it's year. fun to, to start. Yeah. I'm excited. It's a new season, new a guests. new year, a new world. The world's changed a lot since we last recorded. Every year. You never step into the same river twice. That's Whoa. Is that a, is that a thing? Is that a, a proverb? saying. Yeah, it's an old Did saying. Did you make it up? I don't make up old sayings, no. I would believe it if you said you made it up. <laughs> I wish... I wish I did. Although goofy, you can be quite eloquent and deep, and you're oh. good at inventing on the spot things that sure. sound ancient mm-hmm. or modern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anciently modern, that's what they call me. <laughs> well, this is Learn Real Good, a science comedy podcast where we shoot the breeze. Check. <laughs> check. My, check. Checkmate. Uh, checkmate. Uh, and then we are going to share some science facts. Science facts. And then we're going to introduce our special guest, which I'm very excited about today. Always excited. So to many be questions. Guests. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm are pumped. Are you ready? Science fact engaged? <laughs> I'm ready to have some <laughs> engagement with science facts. We have a year of science facts to catch up on. I know. Whoa. Like you said, the world has changed. Wow. Well, why don't you tell me one way the world has changed? Science fact sure. numero the first. Well, my little science fact has to do with clothing. Ooh, I wear those. I know. You, I, I, like, wear, I like wearing clothes. <laughs> I like shopping for clothes. Not a lot of great things. It's, a, it's an inherently relatable topic. Yeah. <laughs> Feels universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what do you like about clothes? Oh, man. A lot. I mean, that is my luxury, I think. Mm. I don't spend a lot of unnecessary money on things, except I do enjoy buying clothes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I love the feeling of it. I'm very particular about fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my skin, yeah. I like certain fabrics over others, and you know, I like to keep up with the recent styles. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do we wear clothes? Ooh, modesty. Modesty, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of reasons to to, to wear clothes. And as humans, we're like socialized and have an inherent sure. kind of like, oh, I got to cover myself up. Uh, but a lot of scientists say that we probably right. started wearing clothes because of protection, protection, yeah, climate, yeah, yeah. warm. Ooh, climate. And so yeah, if yeah. you if humanity originated in very mild climes, maybe you don't need clothing. But if you mm. want to go to new environments, then wearing clothes is going to be really good to keep you warm and toasty. Now you can live in maybe less hospitable environments even above that i feel like imagine we were going camping it's summer right now where we are it would be quite warm Mm -hmm. even if we're the only people i would not be going around naked okay full disclosure yes because you know the one time i bump into a tree you know i've got sensitive parts yeah that would hurt yeah you don't want to graze things not just temperature just protecting yourself one of the big (laughs) questions is when did people start Ooh. wearing clothes? Because at some point in our past, yeah, we yeah. didn't have clothing. We were just yeah. animals wandering around right. as animals do without yes. clothes. Absolutely. But then at a certain point, we did start having clothes. Yeah. And so it's been a huge debate in anthropological scientific circles about when okay. people... Can I take a guess? Said, an please estimate? do, yes. 1610. <laughs> 
<laughs> prior to 1610. No. Yes. Really? <laughs> it is prior to 1610. Your guess, 1605. 1605 is correct. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just that year they passed the law. Everyone had to wear clothes. <laughs> it's a law. Until then. Just random nudity. When was it? When were people thinking? So people had no clue. They, mm. The original estimates up until some recent studies was like it could be 4,000 years ago. It could be 15,000 years ago. Whoa. I mean, 4,000 is probably too soon. But like... Obviously. Huge range. They had no idea. It could have been millions of years ago. It could have been tens of well, thousands of years ago. Well, maybe yeah. not millions. Let's calm down, everyone. Anyways, clothing is usually made out of natural materials, fibers. Well, certainly then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But now we do have <laughs> synthetic materials. Not a lot of micro suede <laughs> in the medieval yeah. times. Ooh, medieval nylon. Great. But so it decomposes. It doesn't leave any trace. And so you can only uh, infer clothing by stuff that you find. Mm. And so they found like needles, which is like a really strong oh, okay. indicator of yeah. clothing. What else would you use it for? But that only shows up at like 30,000 years ago. Hmm. Uh, and people are like okay can it is that the right number and so one group just had an idea uh, so mm. lice Ooh. so head lice have existed for a very long time that just needs dense hair yeah and so head lice has like this long history like for humans and other animals of existing okay but there's another louse that is different has is different enough called the clothing lice Really? And it can, like, head lice can't exist. Like, it dies very quickly unless it's in someone's head. The warmth, that density of hair, all of that stuff. But can't, if it tries to go down and live on your arm, it can't. There's not enough hair. Well, I know, because, like, there's, there's other regions other of the animal, human body yes. have different lice species. Exactly. Oh, okay. But so now there is a species of lice called clothing lice. And if you have clothing on, it can exist. Huh. So, like, if you have a short sleeve shirt, the lice can exist under the shirt but not on your arms. Never heard of clothing lice. Clothing lice is a real animal. Does it still exist? It still exists, yeah. It's a pest. Do we have it right now? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I will it's, be checking post-podcast. <laughs> it's generally not seen a lot in Western uh, spheres. Hmm. So one of the things that you can do is if you have head lice and you have clothing lice, you can do a genetic comparison to Good see where they diverge. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Phylogeny, Phylogeny, yeah. And so a group did that and they took a bunch of head lice, they took a bunch of clothing lice and ran like, you know, the statistical analysis. And so what they found <laughs> was it's the range, obviously it's not super accurate, between 80 and 170,000 years ago with a most likely number between 100 and 120,000 years ago. So clothing originated roughly, according to the study, 100 to 120,000 so years ago. So pre-1605. Pre-1605 by really just a few years. So I wonder if that coincides with our movement to more northern climes and, or if this line of evidence could be used to deduce that because that's a whole mm -hmm. whole thing of controversy people arguing about when when humans uh, started moving from africa yeah and so you can do that comparison and it is when people start leaving warmer climates and so one of the things that allows you to do that is clothes. So it's hard to say what's the cause, what's the effect. Cars you, too. Cars it, are really instrumental in people moving. Moving, north. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there were people in the north prior to cars. What? <laughs> yeah. Hot, hot take. Uh, so yeah, so that's Very my cool. little fact about just using the genetic differences between head lice and clothing lice. I did to not see lice being infer, a pivotal factor in that yeah, story. Yeah, where clothing originated. For well, humans. that was a journey, Vin. Thank you. Thank you. Great science fact. Pretty fun. Yeah. 
Are you ready for my I'm, I would love. Fact? Give me, hit me with those facts. Th- facts, I'm gonna, facts. You know, I don't want to, you know, underplay it. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna really try hard to spin a yarn like you did, Vinny. I'm ready. <laughs> have you ever looked inside a mouse? <laughs> <laughs> inside a mouse. I yeah, generally yeah, yeah. something I avoid. Have I'll say you that. Um, content warning for an anatomical okay. <laughs> content? Okay. Have you ever dissected a mammal? A little mammal. Uh, a fish is not a mammal, so no. <laughs> so my only dissections of mammals occurred when I was a TA during my PhD. Mm-hmm. And this whole experience, I dissected so many things, it made me hate it. Uh, but one of the many things I had to dissect over and over as a TA, right? You had to keep doing it for all your sections, was a rat. Mm. And this, just mentioning dissections of rat is as gross as this conversation gets. When you would cut it open, uh, the blood vessels were dyed red and blue. Anyway, that's the extent of what you could see inside of it, right? You had to cut it open, you had to move all that tissue and you would see the blood vessels. I'm gonna go back on your statement where (laughs) mentioning the dissection is the worst part. I'm done and disgusting content warning. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, well that's not great. That's not great resolution, right? What if I want to know what's happening inside of a tissue? Specifically, not just inside, it's Big open organ hole. Okay, for sure done with the gross stuff. Well, science has moved past high school dissections of the mm-hmm. 80s. Mm-hmm. Now we want to see inside of a mouse. Mm-hmm. We have specially bred mice that are translucent. Whoa, what? Yeah, like just like you know those 80s phones. Remember those plastic phones <laughs> where you could seal the plastic parts inside? Yeah, oh, I wanted one so bad. We didn't breed those. <laughs> That's nightmarish. <laughs> yes, we did, Vinny. You, you selected the phones each season that were more and more transparent, and eventually it led to the translucent phone. You don't understand biology. I guess not. And, uh, but there's still challenges, right? How do you, to, to, you have to design these very expensive molecules that you can put through the translucent mouse so you can take these special x-rays and see things, okay. and that's very cost prohibitive. You have to use special breeds of mice that are sort of vulnerable to these special molecules, which means you're only looking at a subsect of the population. It's like if you were only looking at Olympic swimmers for, you know, muscle mass, Mm. well, you know, it's going to be biased towards that type of person, which is not representative of everyone, is it? Right? So it was always problematic. It was very expensive. You, You still couldn't get to everywhere. No matter what you did, none of the tissues were totally couldn't be pervasive because Mm -hmm. it was hard to get these special molecules into certain tissues. Well, hot new science development. So there's this new combo between the molecule you're using and the way you're making the tissue more permeable that has led to this new imaging technology that is bonkers. I'll show you these images afterwards because they are just so detailed, like 3D pictures of all the tissues of a mouse. And this new technique's called Wild Disco. Short for Panic at the Wild Disco. No, I made that up. I did. made that up. But it is called Wild Disco. Really? Yeah. Wild because you can use a wild type mice. You don't need specially bred mice. Okay. Wild being like normie mice. Normie <laughs> transparent. It still has to be transparent. Normcore mouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the disco refers to what they're doing to the mouse after it's dead. So it's not a genetic thing. Uh-huh. To make these molecules go through. They make them go to a disco? <laughs> No, it's, Disco's an acronym. Oh. Okay. So first, 
the new marker, the thing that's traveling through to mark the tissues to make it fluorescent, is just normal antibodies, okay. not these expensive, specially designed macro nanoparticles. So you can use a regular old antibody that's going to go everywhere, but it still has trouble getting to certain places. So the disco part, mm -hmm. the way they make the tissue more permeable is they dissolve cholesterol. Oh. So do you know about the role of cholesterol in a cell's membrane, Vin? It makes things delicious. <laughs> no, I don't know that it necessarily does taste delicious. I know fat does. I don't know if cholesterol necessarily does. I'm going to go with delicious. <laughs> okay. So cholesterol makes uh, cell membranes of animals. It's not in other kingdoms. It makes them more hard. Rigid. Rigid. Exactly. So too much of it. Can be too, rigid. too rigid exactly but you need some of it because you need some amount Structure. of rigidity yeah. exactly so if you sort of melt it away if it's in all of your cell membranes you've created these empty pockets where the antibodies can sort of stick and it can get oh, everywhere so this is a whole new technology it's much cheaper because mm. you're using normal antibodies and normal translucent mice and they've already found in this study that just came out in nature talking about the technology some cool things so a couple of the scientific nuggets they got from this study is that they found that mice who had no microbes in them mm -hmm. so they took some mice that they killed all the bacteria mm -hmm. had far less developed nervous systems in their mm. gut than mice that did so it suggests this new role potentially of the microbiome the little bugs that not bugs <laughs> oversimplified the bacteria that live in your intestines in your nervous system development Yet another reason why we need those little non-bugs, those mm -hmm. bacteria. <laughs> bacteria, <laughs> famous non-bugs. And then also they found uh, for the mice that have tumors, they found these really cool clusters of immune cells. And they don't know what their role is. So mm. now they're like, ooh, what are those what guys are these guys doing? doing? Yeah, having but a the, disco. But they have a whole website that's free to view with all these pictures. What's and it called? Well, if you just Google Wild Disco, I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> One word. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> you might find some people in the 70s with yeah. bell bottoms with some finger dancing. Um, but you also might find mice. That sucks, eh? If you're actually looking for a really a interesting disco, disco yeah. you might find something You're just going to get boring genetics? Boring? I mean, exciting. First of all, not genetics. <laughs> Secondly, not boring. And the pictures aren't gross because they're all like just Great. blue. And so was this mostly developed for the purposes of improving dissection? The process of dissection? No, you're not no. dissecting at all. Okay. You can leave the animal whole. Oh. It's I, dead. Okay. It's dead. If you're, I mean, yeah, it's dead, but you don't have to cut it you up. You don't have to cut it up. You just get to see what's going on. Yeah, there. and you can isolate. So you can, if you use an antibody that only is attracted to muscle, right, you mm. can basically get like a Google map right. of their muscle system. Cool. So kind of like those... Uh, those museum uh, exhibits of like people with their muscles but yeah, yeah, like yeah. in the body exactly intact well it's okay. a picture yeah. it's not the, the actual physical specimen That's that cool. you're looking at but um, it's just far more detailed you can go much deeper than you ever could wow. because of the cholesterol thing and way cheaper because you don't need specially designed fancy techie antibodies well now we know how to make transparent animals <laughs> We already knew how to make transparent mice. But this could be applied potentially to other animals, right? To give us a much better understanding of what what's going on inside. People? Can of we course. walk can we walk around like translucent? Oh humans? wow, you wouldn't want that. Well, did you like the phone? <laughs> yes, I didn't well, want to. Well then there are gonna be people to... who wanna be like translucent phones. I wanted phones. to own the phone. I didn't want to be the phone. And that's you. 
I think I assumed like you could look inside and look like a Rube Goldberg machine, but it's just you could plastic, watch. Yeah, you know, there's not, it's not, there's not things churning and yeah, churning. electronic devices and mechanical devices. Yeah, they're, they're interesting. Well, that's enough out of that. Us. Was great. Yeah. Yeah. Good science fact. Good science fact. Are you ready for a guest? Yes, please. Oh my goodness, I have the honor of introducing Rita Lamb. So Rita Lamb just graduated from the University of British Columbia Okanagan with a master's degree in mechanical engineering. However, she's actually a self-proclaimed fake engineer (laughs) and is a microbiologist instead. Her master's projects investigated how indoor daylight affects the indoor microbiome in a controlled lab environment and an inpatient hospital. She loves wine tasting. She's a Wasetti certified sommelier, uh, enjoys outdoor activities and traveling. Please join me in welcoming Rita Lamb to the podcast. Rita Lamb, come on down. Hey, Rita. Hi. Hi, Benny. Hi, Kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. I'm very happy to be here as well. Very fun facts. (laughs) (laughs) kind of connected with the microbiome Mm -hmm. talk there yeah absolutely (laughs) have you heard of wild panic at the disco mice (laughs) not really i heard about wild like panic at the disco but not (laughs) (laughs) with the mice well this is very exciting so you have a degree in engineering Mm -hmm. But you really are a more of a microbiologist in terms of the work you do. How? What? What's happening there? Why? Why mechanical engineering? Yeah. Why? Are you, why are you a fake engineer? <laughs> That's why we brought you <laughs> here to interrogate you. Well, actually, engineers are more cool. Just, I'm just kidding. Um, well, um, that's very fun long stories because I graduated <laughs> right around COVID time and I was looking for supervisors um, right after my after I finished my undergrads so, and I met this professors um, her name is Dr. Septe Parkpour and she is actually kind of like what who I am right now actually is walking in between biology and engineering as well well she's a microbiologist but she is a professor in faculty of engineering which explains why but like but all her projects are like collaborations between um, microbiologists and engineers and I am I call myself self a fake engineer because I, my diploma it says engineering but I really I am not engineers because all my projects during are like literally dealing with tiny little microbes um, not just bugs but microbes at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's long story short, but yeah, but I'm very happy. <laughs> I love my microbes. Nice, <laughs> nice. We will we will cease calling them bugs for your yeah. benefit. So you're looking at how daylight and light affects microbes, and you saw how like the effect of completely covering your window, like lowering the blinds, like so many of us do, versus having the big glary windows or using special tech. Maybe we can start by talking about. Why is it that when, and I got really concerned about this from from your talk because I definitely am guilty of keeping the blinds closed permanently in our room. <laughs> Why is it that keeping the window blinds up uh, leads to more, is it more microbes or more bad ones? Could you want to talk about that relationship a bit? 
Yeah, so very good question. So basically, I, I'm glad actually you got the concept right, <laughs> comparing <laughs> when the blinds are installed and when the blinds are up. So basically, when you have the blinds down, you block majority of the lights coming into the buildings. But when you have this kind of windows and let the lights transmit into your rooms, you like. Well, here's a point that we actually have to clarify what exactly is indoor daylight because indoor lightings are majority of the lights when like when transmit through the windows or it was in the visible light spectrums. Mm. And what we know is that when um, compared to out like outdoor sunlight, which most people know, they contain UVs mm -hmm. and which is why you apply sunscreens <laughs> mm -hmm. so you don't get the sunburns. But like when like most of the windows, they block the UVs mm. when they act um, when the light transmits through the glass. But within this light visible light spectrums near the UV or violet blue light spectrum around the 400 nanometers, they're very high in energies. <laughs> so this is the part of light that are known to be antimicrobials. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like human has been using like blue light to actually kill um treat microbacterium tuberculosis or burn infections for more than a hundred years hmm. so we've been using that for a long time especially in the medical field and even like so we know that happens and yeah i think that's in in a simple way why it actually kills bacteria <laughs> in that way not just the bad one but bacteria in the whole hmm. yeah. so that's really cool so the the windows generally block the uv stuff that causes sunburn but some of the the higher energy blue close to uv stuff is getting through the windows and that's the light that's like knocking out all these microbes yes that's very true and then that's actually point out a very good um point it's different windows actually transmit light mm. at different properties and different degrees as well for example some of earlier um, like before we have these all fancy glazing technologies, these uh, people have less awareness of like uh, photo protections indoors. For example, like when you drive your car, if you, I don't know if you guys know this or not, your front windows will block the UV, but on oh. the path, not on the passenger seat, but like the seat behind, they won't block the UVs. So oh. this is something, yeah, it's very interesting. I just knew that when I write my, wrote my thesis, I have to look through all the window stuff as well. And yeah, but the people start to actually know more to, hey, hey, you spend a lot of times like inside of cars. Now we will have to actually have UV protections for the occupants as well. So different glasses have different wow. uh, levels of photo protections, but yeah, like for the most of them will block at least UVB and most of the degrees of UVA. So wow. So yeah. while I'm while I'm driving around, my face might be full of microbes because of the front windshield, <laughs> but my arm completely clear of microbes because of the sun. I've noticed that. Your yeah, arms a lot still more riddled with microbes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Notice the face that <laughs> right, gets, your yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crawling. Crawling. Can't see where your eyes are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So Rita, so so windows normally just plain old. We're not getting to the fancy glass yet. Just regular old day-to-day -day glass nowadays blocks UV. 
Uh, is that on purpose? Is that just a happy dink that it blocks UV? Or are we making glass to prevent it? Because we've known for a while that UV on human skin, not good. Yeah, well, it's known that well people are scared of UV for longest time. <laughs> and then that's, <laughs> I think that's the primary reason that we need this UV protections. And just to, well, since we're all scientific geeks right here, um, <laughs> you, I think Vinny will actually know more about this. For UV, there will be different spectrum as well. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like outdoor, there will be UVB light. Um, like that is the part that um, causes skin cancer, but also the precursor for your vitamin Ds, which is mm -hmm. why you go outside, which is uh, saying that, hey, it's healthier for you. But like for, and for UVA, it's on the longer spectrums, which are known not known to actually cause direct damages to like um, human cells or bacteria, but they are known to actually also kill bacteria as well. But humans are still scared of it. So majority of the time they will block UV, they will completely block the UVB for sure, but not the UVA. <laughs> There's still some degree of UVA in some of the windows if they're not clarified it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you could get a, some windows, you get a tan in your house. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that explains how I have any tan because I don't leave my house. Yeah, you have the blinds down, as you said earlier. <laughs> yeah. So if I have, the, if I finally raise those blinds for the first time in 10 years and see the scorching sun, I will be able to let in certain wavelengths of life, light that will kill off some bacteria. Does light sort of have a preference for certain bacteria? Does it tend to kill off more bad ones? Or is it just like this apocalypse that kills like 80% of bacteria no matter who they are? Are there certain types that sort of can sort of evade it or are more vulnerable? <laughs> I wish we can be selective. Like, because yeah. <laughs> I have a great idea. <laughs> I wish we can. Well, actually, no, this is still actually, I mean, the light effect on microbes have been explored for quite a while. But, like, in, in terms of exactly how, especially, for example, we're talking about visible light effect on microbes. It is still so complex because mm. let's dig into a little bit more <laughs> um, to how light actually affects like or kill like bacteria is that there is a specific blue light receptors that we mm. call it like microbes within their genes. They can actually sense light at a particular wavelength. Mm. And then after absorptions, they will create a bunch of react, react, um, reactive oxygen radicals. And that's just how it triggers a series of nasty radicals that will like impair cellular functions. Yeah, so that is in a general scope, but <laughs> the problem is your different blue light spectrum, like receptors for mm. each and different types of bacteria and their um, concentration of these receptors are different and like, and also their concentration are different. So we can be like, it, it might actually kill more of this kind of bacteria, but not for that one. And the majority of them, just for fun fact, are tested in bacteria, but not on, for example, fungi or or viruses okay. are barely tested. So yeah, like in terms of for your answers, I wish one day I can actually just be like, I want to actually have this specific light to kill specific bacteria mm -hmm. as a whole. 
Not really. And that's one of the limitations of my studies as well. So part of your project looked at the effects of light on microbiomes in a hospital. So we know a hospital has particular concerns with microbes, right? Lots of sick people spreading bacteria, causing more sick people, sort of a real danger zone for microbes. Big problem, those hospitals. (laughs) So if you have your windows open in a hospital and light's coming in, it's killing off good and bad bacteria. Did you look into it all effects on like the inside microbiome of people, of windows? with different glass and shades being open? Yeah, yeah. so basically what we did is uh, we actually collected samples from the University of Vermont medical centers and from different like windows, blinds, sofa, and we collect the air sample as well. And from the patients as well. So basically, there is a limitation here because these are all VIP patients. (laughs) Of course, they have single rooms, fancy bougies, like new windows. (laughs) You collected it from the chandeliers and the caviar dishes. Yeah, I saw the pictures. They were beautiful. And like, and uh, we collected their saliva and palm swab samples, and but only over a period of five days. And mm-hmm. what we want to see is that if their microbiome has changed with um th- with different types with the uh, applications of this kind of windows or more um access to daylight and five days are not enough like that's what we found and this well if light can actually have a huge impact on our human microbiome within five days we will be surprised Mm. to be honest with you because the light levels i mean it's like statistical different compared to those that were not using this smart windows but still these are we tested on the cancer patients, hematology and oncology patients. So these are patients that are not like infected with, that does not carry infectious diseases, right. but like in terms of oncology patients. So that's, yeah, something to keep in mind. Though. Yeah. So how, how many days do you think, uh, yeah, how many days does it take to have a statistical effect? Yeah. Well, that's a very good question. So basically, just to fill in a little bit more background is that what we know right what we don't my goal is to actually see the light effect on the environmental microbiomes uh, okay and well what we know is the light actually um has an impact on human cognitive functions in fact so mm. that is technically the primary goal of this having these windows uh, without the blinds is to actually have more access to reviews for the patients, which I actually know to be more um, beneficial for the recoveries for stress relief and like help them with uh, recoveries. This is well known actually. So we know that having more access to daylight and and views are good for them. So I think that from that point of view is actually that can be only that can be more possible to actually alter humans microbiomes okay. instead of actually from changing the environmental microbiomes and then on the human that is less possible wow. <laughs> but like we 
like more on the plus side with there is another study actually already performed by the same uh, university teams like with the hospital they actually performed the study for three months uh, on these patients but they did not see a significant clinical outcomes um, over three months with the new windows here so we still don't know um, if we are able to see like this huge positive impact on human microbiomes with mm. just the windows or not. But like from, yeah, but from a microbiome perspective in the environment, we did see it. Cool. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. like uh, having access to sunlight led to better patient outcomes. Is that all just vitamin D stuff or is there other... Is it like biological impacts beyond vitamin D that sunlight has? Or is it just as simple as, God damn it, the sunshine makes me smile. Do you know <laughs> are there other scientific effects of, of I like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sun does make us smile, but like it's, um, I, that is the, having more sunlight actually has, more leads to more satisfactories of the patients mm. that is a fact and that's been proven by a lot of studies actually mm -hmm. especially in the health cares and that uh, it's, right now there are well one of my passions for research as well after this master is to see um healthy building designs and within mm -hmm. the healthy building designs there is one of the key component is to actually feel more connected with nature's and um, uh, and having more daylight lightings. And because lighting is crucial for our circadian rhythm as well. That is another major reason why we including lightings in, uh, in, in the buildings. And well, I don't know how you guys feel during COVID time, if you don't go out for more than 24 hours or 48 hours without seeing the light or being having a inside a room at the basement without the windows, you will feel depressed for mm -hmm. a period after a period of time. And which is the reason why what this is the reason how lightings actually affect our cognitive functions for example like productivities and mm -hmm. like performances and all kinds of like psychological that is way beyond just microbiome so mm -hmm. it's that is the actually the main perks of having with removing the blinds which is why and um why i said that having lighting is great for patients outcomes <laughs> cool <laughs> Now I've got a question and it's it maybe an engineering question. So since you're a fake engineer, you can give me a fake <laughs> answer if you need to. Now, can we make light light bulbs, light fixtures that can simulate or produce these wavelengths? Like, would that be beneficial to like, so we don't necessarily maybe have to have the, you know, sometimes we live in cloudy climates and it's not uh, a lot of UV a or B coming through. Can we simulate these so that we don't rely on the sun to, to provide these? <laughs> that unreliable that sun. That old unreliable <laughs> sun. Yeah, well, Vinny, you sound, sound like my comedy members because I got exactly the same question <laughs> during my defense. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a very great question. And um, there are many light bulbs out there that can change its colors. Hmm. But 
I just recently went to a conference actually that they I just saw these inventions that literally can answer your questions. Well, the best th- medicines for or therapies for humans' depression, especially indoors, are actually natural sunlight. And mm. no light bulb can mimic exactly like sunlight. That's right. exactly the same words from the professors. But there are many technologies. For example, I heard one of the uh, uh, professors from University of Arizona, they're actually developing a biodynamic light bulb that can actually um, mimic sunlight, but they wow. adjust based on the time of the day. For example, like eight o'clock, you start your work and then this should be your prime times, then the intensity should be that time. And then actually uh, correlates to your circadian rhythms. It's very personalized as well. It has to base wow. on your personal activities and there is very strong requirements for the color temperature as well there's color lightings uniformities there's so much things out there that's not my expertise because again i'm a fake engineer but (laughs) whatever thing they said um it is happening and it's still not there is still not like uh some there's still not that kind of magical light bulbs that can actually help us that replace windows and sunlight but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, it's amazing. So we could see a day where we have like programmable lights in our home that mimic the outdoor mm. or even like one, one replicate artificially what we get naturally outside or we hack it and like I need to be productive in the morning. So I'm going to mm. set my sunlight peak to be in the morning and then taper off in the afternoon so I can have my siesta and then come back again in the afternoon, in the evening. And so we can have like custom like light bio light environments the age of agoraphobes is coming <laughs> yeah, that's right well once the outdoors is uninhabitable we might need oh, this right <laughs> yeah, yeah so rita we need to talk about these smart windows so mm-hmm. part of your project was you know you have there's this cost benefit of leaving the windows open right because the reason we shut our blinds all day is because ah glare right the the windows that we have are very glary and it shines off our screen precious precious screens and we can't play our video games so we shut the blinds (laughs) and live in the darkness but you you talk about these smart windows that will let in presumably the the bacteria killing light but not be glary do you want to talk just a little bit about their effectiveness and you know what what difference they made yeah of course so i don't know if you guys seen those um um tinted window before these are this window is produced by a company called view so they have four different tint levels so like presumably like if you install in an office you can control it on your phones but they can dynamic if you want them to automatically tint it they can just based on the outdoor sunlight and they yeah they have like i think at the least tinted state they only they still they still only allow 52 percent of the light transmitted into the buildings so that really gives your eyes at the comfortable levels and i think the biggest benefits of these windows beside clear control is um uh energy efficient because built like 
windows are part of the building envelope so they contribute there are a lot of unwanted heat transfer between mm -hmm. the outdoor and there so they block more than 80 percent of the heat from especially in the summer day so which is wow. really great wow. yeah besides that for for these kind of windows at the least the, the best part how they killed virus like these two statistical significant in my project is that at the most tinted state it allows only one percent of light transmissions so similar to when you have the blinds installed at home so it's not completely dark you cannot wow. see anything from outside so those cool windows you see like you cannot see from outside those are the windows like that but they allow 10 times more blue light that we just kind of talked about at the very beginnings oh. compared to when the blinds are installed so 10 times more antimicrobial lightings basically that's right. how um one of the benefits of how they can kill bacteria like if you use this kind of smart window at the similar light intensity of shading so that's the highlights wow. or important very powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Arcane Ninja RPG tells a story about ninjas and magic by mixing improv and role-playing. Meet our fledgling ninja and fall for them as they take their graduation exam and stumble upon unknown magic that will send them in an epic adventure. Root for them as the dice dictate just how successfully they face the threatening challenges that lay ahead. Binge on published episodes at the Podcavern Network or your podcast station of choice. Tune in every other Tuesday for your bi-weekly fix of Arcane Ninja RPG. Thanks for listening! Um, so Rita, you finished your master's. Phew! Congratulations yes. on that. Are you planning on going into, a, as a fake engineer, a fake engineering institute? Or like, what are the next steps for Rita at this point? Yeah, well, I'm a very spontaneous person. So I'm just <laughs> trying to look at if I should keep going to become an actual engineer or become <laughs> an actual go back to my real like microbiologist or I'm still looking to, for any kind of jobs that's gonna make me exciting mm -hmm. and um either way will work I'm still also looking at different um also looking at opportunities for example like healthy building designs and mm. or consulting as well if mm -hmm. possible because obviously like i love i love i'm passionate about like healthy building designs as i'm just mm. talking about like lighting and microbes are all everything about us like we spend almost 95 percent of the time inside of buildings these days so and i'm pretty sure it will actually become more this time like mm. as the time goes through so yeah, that's not about my passion for that. Either become a microbiologist or going to industries that actually kind of become like engineers that actually help nice. designing building that's healthier. That's yeah, really cool. <laughs> nice. So you mentioned healthy building designs a couple times. What are some other considerations besides just light that contribute to healthy or unhealthy building designs? Oh yeah, there's a lot of things right there. Like there are like air qualities, temperatures, mm. humidities, and there is sound as well. The people mm. around you, of 
course is knowing you that's that's another factor <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm just kidding um i mean it is and there is there's just a holistic approach that's needed for example there are many different guidelines that actually has mm. been established that's actually tells you basically tr- we're trying to actually establish guidelines to actually um, cover all the aspects of healthy buildings but in general they're there whatever that you can think of temperatures humidity air quality ventilations and sound and lightings and mm-hmm. safeties all those stuff yeah <laughs> that's really cool now how did you get into this like what what's the origin story for this journey into you know building engineering micro microbiomes yeah i think i'm just gonna come I'm kind of person that love everything. I think, <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious about and learning about any kind of thing. So basically, I decided to do a master because COVID hit three months before I graduate. I want to find something to do, and I found this amazing project. Imagine I heard my professor saying that, hey, do you want to look at how window can kill bacteria? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? Okay. <laughs> I jumped onto this. I mean, she threw several other like bizarre projects to me as, as well at my interviews that I'll just like, sure, these are very cool projects. And I'm not a kind of person that settled for like very boring stuff anyways. Sure. So yeah, like, I think I kind of just love things that are multidisciplinary and mixture mm. together. And I just don't want one single thing, which is my supervisor starts giving me projects that are that are like super. That is not one single thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and and what was little Rita like? Were you always a curious kid interested in science? What's sort of your path to to going into science in the first place? Yeah, you know what? I like way too many things, and then that my parents <laughs> kind of like hates me for changing my mind so quickly <laughs> until this days and then they're like what are you gonna do and i was like i don't know maybe i'll do a phd maybe i'll go into industry maybe i will be like go for another engineering degree so like make up your mind I was like, I <laughs> yeah it's funny that sometimes we have these crossroads where there are multiple mm. pathways forward uh, and it's it can be tricky to make those decisions and sometimes it's not by choice it's just like all right these are the opportunities even though maybe you want another path but how how do you make these decisions like what goes into your decision making like how did you decide to do this product like what is it really like ah this is the thing i'm most excited about and this is the thing or is it this is the thing i'm most challenged by like what are some of the factors that go into that decision making yeah i think even though i um, I just said that I want a lot of things, or at least I don't know what I want. Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm very clear that I know what I don't like. Mm. <laughs> For example, like my sisters and brothers are both engineers, and at the very beginning, and my parents were like, "Do you want to become engineers too?" I was like, "No." <laughs> like years ago that was like yeah like when i tried to decide which programs i want to do or yeah so every time at the tip point of 
making a decisions, I think my heart just tell me that yeah, you don't like that. <laughs> Rather than saying that you like it, it's more like yeah, you don't like that. Go for this one. So yeah, I I think I'm just very open minded person as well. And、mm. yeah, like despite joining this broadcast as well and talking with you guys, I am very open minded with all <laughs> the some facts that you guys are talking about. Yeah, it's just very.、Uh, I love anything that is.、Um, That's actually excite excites me. Yeah.、Nice. <laughs> well, it sounds like if ever you're unsure, you just listen to your gut microbiome. <laughs> yes, they are very great. <laughs> And I think one thing that that is really valuable that you've mentioned is if you're someone who's like really interested in a a lot of different things, is try a lot of different things. And you can maybe you don't see the things like ah yes that's the thing I like. Some people are like I like all of these things. Try each of them, and then you could rule them out one by one and hone in on it.、Too. But also, so many fields of science are becoming so interdisciplinary,、yes. right? We're seeing how all these separate fields are really super connected. It's like the perfect time to be someone who wants to stick their finger in several STEM puddings, right?、Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room for that now. <laughs> Absolutely, I think everything needs collaboration. So this、mm -hmm. is perfect. <laughs> exactly.、Yeah. Um. So you mentioned in your bio, Rita, your other interests. You are a certified sommelier.、Ooh. How How、um, did you have time to get this whole <laughs> other profession? How did that happen? <laughs> um. So basically, how that started um was when I was in third year of my undergrads. Actually, it was right before COVID, and I started working at. I got a summer job at one of the、mm. wineries. And I don't know if you guys have been to Kelowna or not. Oh、um, yes. Yes.、Yeah. Yes. So Kelowna is like a little Tennessean in Canada because it was just like a desert,、mm. <laughs> and it's beside the lake, and there is like more than three hundred wineries in、wow. the valleys,、mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous. And I was like, you know what? I need, I need to take this chance. And <laughs> my families are huge wine lovers,、mm. and I got these jobs, and at one of the wineries at a As a sell a wine, like I think retail sales associate. Yeah, that was my、okay. like, summer interns like positions, and then I love how、um, different types of wines are out there. And then actually, this W set、uh, sommelier certificates. The person who's teaching this like whole entire course is the. Is one of the sommeliers at my winery, so we might as well. I might as well just got the certificates because he was telling, teaching me the whole time already, and yeah. So I think with people that that I just really get. Into wine tasting, and fun fact, can actually digest <laughs> like alcohol. Oh no! So, I... <laughs> so be careful. Glasses of wine. <laughs> I am totally red. It tastes <laughs> like grapes. <laughs> exactly. And this wine, the fun, a very fun fact is that at this wine,、um, at the W set、um, course that we try, is three days, and you taste more、mm. than a hundred. Hundred wines. Wow. Yes, and they're very expensive, and it was great. <laughs> and you were <laughs> wrecked the whole time. Yes, <laughs> you remember none of it. I was wrecked the whole time. <laughs> Just had the certificate on your body. You're like, oh, I guess I passed. <laughs> 
I've, I've, I've seen documentaries where people, like professional sommeliers, like saying all the notes they detect, you know, asparagus with hickory and it tastes like a, a summer's day in my grandma's attic. <laughs> Do you have a favorite sort of flavor description that you've come up with or someone else has where it felt really evocative? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think at some of the red wines, one of the description is like wet mud or carbon. <laughs> <laughs> or yes, but in a good way. Yes. Oh. Yes, it was. I mean, you can absolutely taste it when they, as soon as they mention the word. Because, mm-hmm. but if you don't know how to taste it, you will never think about it. But when yeah. they say that word and you taste it, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I did hear. Like, yeah, they said the words wet dogs too. So- <laughs> wet dogs. <laughs> It's fantastic. Tastes like a wet mushroom dog. The I love wet it. Wet mushroom dog's the wine I've been after this whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was pretty fun in terms of all this like um descriptions cuz it literally will say it on the wine descriptions and when you taste it it's like, mm, "All right. Yep." <laughs> Sometimes you pick it up. Sometimes well, you don't. <laughs> well, Rita, you are quite the Renaissance person. Mm-hmm. You are a real microbiologist, a real master of engineering, <laughs> but a fake engineer and a real good sommelier. Thank you so much for being here and Thank sharing you. you and your research. Super cool. Good luck in the future. And yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, Vinny. <laughs> Thank oh, you. That was amazing. Yeah. I really want to become a sommelier. Yeah. Like, what would be your descriptions of a wine <laughs> I, I remember doing a wine tasting uh-huh. in grad school like just with friends because one of our, the the people in our group was like a, a certified sommelier and we would have to like describe them and he would like critique our notes oh interesting but it was very fun to be like mm, peaches but also oak you know <laughs> right and and to find out that because i'd seen people describing wine like this that it's not real right there aren't peaches in there there isn't oak in there sure. but it's just evocative of okay. the, what it conjures up or you know flavorings that sure. it tastes like even i mean if it's sometimes oh yeah sometimes it's actually like the barrel the, the wood that the barrel is made out of or like what they had previously stored you can get those kind of actual oh, flavors sure. that's, that's like that's playground sommelier okay I'm i see about, you're talking you know, the high end pulling out you know yeah, there's yeah, the, yeah. Ooh, the benzene you know it's related okay. to this so probably not benzene yeah <laughs> yeah you don't want benzene in your wine i'm not going to your winery Floroquino. <laughs> uh yeah, that was really cool that was amazing very yeah. very very interesting. wow light biomes microbiomes i mean i never would have thought of it like honestly I, I, we should maybe you know open the blinds talk, in the house open the blinds <laughs> it's you know what the blinds are open we don't we're not complete shut-ins but the bedroom we keep it dark and you know, by like, we maybe we shouldn't Oh, it's mostly me? <laughs> okay, well, we'll have a talk after. Uh, go back. Uh, to I'm the going back into that. the cave. Okay, back to the cave. Well, Vinny, we learned a lot. We did learn. Real we learned good. about clothing, clothing lice. And the history of clothing. And the... What did I talk about, Vinny? <laughs> Pop quiz? I'm totally blanking oh, right now. Oh, goodness. Wild oh, yes. Panic Wild the Panic Disco. Disco, yes. And yes. of course, all about light and the Translucent animals. And, 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 and glass from yeah. our wonderful guest, Amazing. Rita. Amazing. Well, Vinny, why don't you send people away on our socials? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us, check us out at LRG Pod, either on Facebook, Instagram. <gasps> uh, and also, you can look up Learn Real Good 
on YouTube now. We have a what? YouTube channel. Also Starting... TikTok, but we never use it to this point. <laughs> it's true. We'll I get forget. there, kids. It, to the point where I forget to mention it. And Twitter. Uh, and we're on X. I'm sorry. It's we're not on Twitter. Twitter. No, no. The website's Twitter. We're going to get sued if we call it that. Uh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so YouTube. Yeah. We're, we just started a YouTube channel uh, where all of our little science facts are going to be presented in YouTube videos that you can check out. Uh, so yeah, you can LRG pod on any of the social media or a pod cavern to get all of our previous episodes or if you'd like to be a guest if you're a stem <gasps> grad do? student what do you do? just send us an email at learnrealgoodpodcast at gmail.com that's learnrealgoodpodcast at gmail.com that's it for this episode thank you rita thank you katie thank you Vinny. thank you for listening tell a friend rate review subscribe yeah. all those words we'll see you next time on learn, learn real good, good. <laughs> What a nice low yeah, energy. Yeah, beautiful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.